From Hagerstown, Maryland, the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley bring you their weekly podcast. morning everybody and welcome to our safety podcast we are uh, going to talk a little bit about today in our short podcast about the new ANSI standards um, for uh, manlift training and uh, they came out I believe came into effect in December of 2019 but I know many people have been asking questions um, and I think some of the key points um, as I you know look through uh, the, the standards are uh, what the classifications of the different types of equipment are, as well as the people that need to be trained. Um, there are also, there as well in this new, uh, uh, new guidelines um, or new rules, there are uh, occupants need to be trained as well as supervisors and other people that might be around the equipment, not only the people operating the equipment. Um, so with that, um, I thought I'd kind of jump into and find out, you know, what uh, you guys have done for your businesses. Um, what have you done to, to address this and what new types of training are you working on? And uh, Norm, I thought maybe um, you might have some insight onto this as, uh, as well. Um, so with that, I'll turn it over and see where the discussion goes. Um, this, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot, but not many specific changes. Um, I think the the main ones that everybody's going to need to really uh, pay attention to is the load sensing is going to be the biggest one. Um, they've adjusted some of the weight capacities on some of the scissor lifts and some of the boom lifts, but there are going to be load sensors on these equipment that if you exceed the rate of capacity, the machine will not function or it'll only come down. So if you're elevated and load something onto the platform, you know, you're going to lose some of your mobility other than to come down. Um, I think that one's going to trip up a lot more people than ever. The tilt sensing is going to get a little bit more uh, uh, finicky, but it's, you know, they've always been tilt sensing units on the machine. It's just going to get a little bit more exaggerated. There's going to be no more sliding mid rails. You're going to have to go with entrance gates on all your platforms. I think the window for this is uh, four years for total adoption. So you'll still receive and if you own equipment that has some of the older features, you still have some time. Um, but I know all the manufacturers have pulled the, pulled the plug and are making a switch to build these new machines the way that they are. Uh, the guardrail height is going to change up from uh, 39 inches to 43 and a half inches, I think they said that it was going to go to. Um, that's going to you know, cause redesign for these machines to go through standard doors, or you're going to see more equipment with the fold-down rails that you're going to have to watch out for. And then the, the biggest one that I've run, I've seen that I've run into is uh, units are going to be designed as indoor only. So uh, the one, just to make it simple, one of the ones I've noticed mainly is JLG. If you want an all electric scissor, dry, electric drive motors, electric uh, uh, up and down, JLG makes that, but they only make that for indoor use only. If you get into equipment ownership, you'll have to really watch when you buy one of those because um, if you do work indoors and outdoors, you could have a machine that you cannot use outdoors if you buy the wrong one. That's the, that's the basic gist of the changes that they're going to have to the, the production. Norm, on the training side, are you seeing people 
request that you guys do the training or are, are employers still doing their own training? And if so, is that something that manufacturers are helping out with some training materials like updated, you know, whether it's handouts, uh, PowerPoints, videos, or, are there any, um, anything that we could use uh, that, that would assist in that? We have a, um, we partner with IVES, that's who we network with for our trainings, uh, for our documentation. And um, what we've developed through IVES is, uh, you know, we have our, we have our United Academy where we do training, we'll do the, the four, the full certification. Once you have the certification, then you can get your familiarization. Um, we've also come up now with a supervisor's training program that you can send your supervisors through to qualify for the supervisors. Um, there are some flyers and stuff out there available. I'll try to get a list of them together and send them over to you guys so you can start sharing them with what uh, you're looking to do. That'd be great. Yep. Um, also, the training, you have to have, a, uh, now you have to have a, a plan. You have to develop a plan for your lift use, and that plan has to include your operations, but specifically it has to include your emergency procedures for getting people in and out of the platform in case there's a problem. Um, if anybody that's been to any formal training, you know, one of the things that's, that should have always been stressed is uh, the emergency down procedure on these lifts. But you would actually be surprised how many calls we get. You know, we got guys stuck in the air and we can't get them down. You know, most lifts are pretty simple. You pull the plunger on the side. Uh, another brand, Skyjack, actually has specific tasks you have to do. Um, but not enough people have ever focused on that. Now you can't just have the operator of the lift having that knowledge. You have to have somebody that is not on the lift with that knowledge. And I'm assuming that can be a supervisor or another employee. Um, but, you know, a lot of people didn't focus on that before. It's get the operators trained and let's move on. Norm, are you seeing any differences from the rental standpoint due to this pandemic? Um, are, are people trying to put only one employee on a lift? So does that mean they're ordering smaller lifts, but more of them? Or, or how has that affected your business? Um, for, yes, they are. You know, there's no doubling up or they're limiting the amount of double ups. Um, as far as I know, nobody's doubling up. We've done, a, we've done three emergency hospital jobs where they've gone in and expanded things in the hospital. And, you know, the, the contractors have said, you know, we're ordering twice as many machines because we're not putting anybody, we can't put anybody within six feet of one another. Um, it's been in that respect. Um, backing up a little bit, I didn't really notice a place where to jump in when Amos was talking about it. But one of the things that we've adopted on doing is we do, um, we disinfect all of our equipment. Uh, when it, you know, if a unit comes back to my yard, it's immediately disinfected. Through our process of uh, making a unit ready, it's disinfected again. And then when our drivers deliver it, they give it another disinfecting, you know, whatever they've touched during the delivery process to try to try to address that a little bit. Um, We've noticed, you know, customers really like that. It, it seems to, to help on some job sites. Um, and we just, we see that actually, that's not going away. I actually received an email this morning. We'll do that through the end of the year at a minimum. Is that something you guys are marketing? Uh, yeah, I, I sent you a flyer two weeks ago when I, I missed, I had the wrong day. I sent you a flyer, a flyer and I'll resend that of the different things that we're doing. And I say we're doing most, I say a lot of the rental companies are should be doing the same thing because it's just it's just common sense safety things you can be doing at a time like this. Oh, thanks. 
So one of the training items that appears, uh, you know, uh, the risk assessment or the assessment of how you're going to use the equipment. Um, that's the one thing I, I've, I guess that, let me back up two things we've received a fair amount of questions over was one, that risk assessment and, and how is that done um, and who can do it. And secondly, um, you know, there, there have been some questions about the people, the additional people that need to be trained, uh, the occupant, um, if there is going to be an occupant, occupant that's not the operator, um, as well as supervisors or other uh, trained staff on the ground. Um, what are you seeing, you know, at, at job sites? Are they just going through and training everybody? Um, or are you seeing people selecting, you know, who gets the training? Um, uh, to, to be able to move forward? Um, for the AHA, for, the, for your hazard assessment, I am, I'm actually not sure who's qualified to do that. I would assume a, a trained supervisor is qualified to do that, or you know, somebody like Jason, who's you know, safety director, they would, you, know, you would write your normal uh, hazard assessment. So I'm assuming that that's where that will come from. From a training standpoint, um, and I'll be totally honest, you know, we've, we've moved away from the familiarization over the last I haven't done a familiarization class in over a year and a half. We've moved away from that about two years ago. And the familiarization was always a, a courtesy that we offered for our customers. Um, we just don't do that no more. The liability has gotten too great. Um, so we've, you know, we've adopted our United Academy, which is our training division. And um, I'll be honest, we have six full-time trainers. Prior to this, you were two weeks out to get any live training done. We have blended courses available to where you can do half your classes online and then you can do your hands-on in front of some, uh, in, some in front of a, an evaluator. We, um, we also have a, a virtuality trainer that we're, we're starting to promote a little bit more. Um, it, so the answer to your question is yes, we've seen a, a big uptick in the amount of people that are being trained. We are seeing more selectivity to that just based on the cost because again, familiarization we would do for free to where now everybody needs to be a certified operator and there is a cost associated with that. Any questions from the uh, contractors on the, uh, uh, on the call here uh, for Norm or uh, that have questions in general about the new ANSI standards? Yeah, I do, wow. want to, I do want to share with you folks, you know, ANSI standards have to do with the building and production of machinery and then the final user of that machinery. Um, as far as the regulations go, OSHA and any state-run safety program like MOSH would have to adopt that ANSI standard. We all know in the OSHA regulations that aerial lifts are old, old standards. Nothing's been updated. So I want you to keep that in mind when all this training gets thrown at you on various aspects of the machines. I agree that we need to know the difference between all the types of equipment. And I also agree that anytime you have a piece of equipment that takes people up and down in the air, you need to have a rescue plan, regardless whether what an ANSI standard says or not. But I want you to keep that in mind. OSHA needs to adopt this. And so far they have not that I'm aware of. 
everything that we've heard, they were supposed to do it, I think December 31st, they were supposed to do it and they, they did not. And then I think March 1st was another deadline that I'd heard, Bill. And then I actually heard June 1st as another deadline, but they just, it keeps getting later when they postpone. Um, I'm sure it's even going to be pushed back further now with all this pandemic they've been working with. That's, that's what our uh, collective opinion is. Yeah. It, and to Bill's point, which he's a, he's 100% correct, um, at the same time, it, I would assume, um, I don't think that there's any pushback uh, from OSHA on adopting this. It's just a timing issue. And at some point, uh, they are going to adopt it. And, you know, those, it, it doesn't hurt any of us to, uh, you know, to work towards being compliant by the time that they get there, whether it's June 1st of this year or June 1st of next year. Um, but, you know, if OSHA comes on site tomorrow, they are not going to cite you for, for violations of this standard because it doesn't exist in the OSHA uh, guidelines at this point in time. I do have a question on that, Amos, and Norm, maybe you could help. So if, if a manufacturer puts in their um, manual, you know, all of their recommendations for the end user, um, does that open up, you know, Moshe's or OSHA's um, book a little bit? Because, you know, a lot of times they're going to fall back to the manufacturer's recommendations. Uh, that, that's a great question, Jason. And um, the only thing I can say is I'm not 100% positive because if you, if you go back five years ago, uh, JLG and I think Skyjack recommended you wear a harness and a scissor lift, but it was not required. It was recommended. And I think you'll see all the manufacturers, they'll recommend following the ANSI. That way it's, it's a gray area. It's, yeah, that's what we'd like, but we're not saying that's what you have to do. Um, I would think, as Amos said, this is, this is something that is coming and, it's, and this is how we've been operating that this is coming and we're trying to adapt to that to our standards as well because we have to follow this as well. Um, and we're trying to you know, not train 18,000 people at once. We're trying to piecemeal till we get there. Thanks for joining us today for the podcast from the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley. If you'd like more information about us, please check our website at abccvc.org. Until next time, thanks.